This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hi, everybody. I'm Freddie Bell, and welcome to New Beginnings. We'll talk to Libel Sternbach this week. Also, Joe McKenzie is here. We'll look at what happened this week and also share today's words to the wise. You're listening to New Beginnings, and our program is underway right now. You know, since uh, late November, a new subvariant of Omicron called XBB.1.5 has steadily been getting traction in the U.S. during Thanksgiving week and made up just 1% of COVID-19 cases in the country. That according to data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And it's picked up speed over the holidays, and now it makes up more than 40% of all cases nationally. However, we're seeing this morning that COVID trends here in Minnesota are staying stable even with the presence of new variants. And I'm just wondering, is it time to take our guards down and remove the mask? Dr. Michael Osterholm, he joins us right now. What do you think? Well, good morning, Freddie. And let me give a shout-out to one of my favorite DJs, to you, Freddie. Uh, we've, been doing this now, we've, we've been doing this now for uh, quite a while. And it's always an honor and a pleasure to be on with you. I appreciate that very much. Somebody you're, you're close an important to the, voice. Well, thank you. And a person that's close to the president and people who make decisions regarding our country and those around the world, it's also a pleasure being with you as well. Good. Well, well, you first of all, you teed it up very, very well in terms of what the current situation is. And I think, as I've shared with you in past interviews, you know, every morning the first thing I do when I wake up is I try to chip off the five inches of accumulated mud on my uh, crystal ball and uh, <laughs> see what, what's going to happen from there. And, and it's, it's a humility. It's, you have to have a lot of humility to be in this business right now. So what's going to happen? Well, we don't know, and we have to say that. Um, you know, we've had experiences in the past where we've had variants emerge in one part of the country and not spread to other parts of the country. Uh, so this new XBB 1.5 that you talked about, in fact, really is uh, a real concern in the Northeast, but although it does appear that the number of cases are beginning to level off and even drop in some locations, as you noted, we have not seen it increase here. So I think the concern, though, is is that this news may sound like we're done and over, and this virus just continues to throw curveballs at us. I mean, look what it's doing in China right now. It, the situation in China is by far the most dire in the entire pandemic. Um, there's estimates that just in recent weeks, anywhere from 60,000, but as high as 600,000 people have died in China. And so, you know, the virus isn't done yet. It's continuing to mutate. It's continuing to change. We can only hope that every month is the last month that we're going to see cases around the country uh, or around the world. But I think that uh, that's just not going to happen soon. Are some of the symptoms of the XBB different than what we've seen before? We were just talking with Chantel here in the studio about uh, in, about uh, different uh, symptoms. Chantel, can you outline yeah. that? Yeah, I feel like uh, I, I had some uh, some uh, around Thanksgiving time. I had COVID before this, uh, Thanksgiving of last year um, with the mm-hmm. symptoms of body aches and, you know, extreme fatigue. I couldn't stand for longer than like two minutes. Uh, but this time around, I had a really bad sore throat for about a month. I had extreme fatigue, but that's kind of where it stopped. Uh, would that be kind of the symptoms for this new variant? 
Well, you know, it's interesting, Chantel, that you, you bring up the fact that you had it before, and surely you have some protection in your immune system from previously been exposed to the virus. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that wanes over time, meaning that the protection drops as you kind of age the immune response. And so what you're talking about with these different kinds of illnesses surely sounds very consistent with what could be the case with COVID. I think the really good news is, of course, you didn't get severely ill and need hospitalization for either of them, which says that future episodes likely will do the same with you unless we just see a variant that changes so much. So, but that's one of the, this is not an uncommon presentation that you, you talked about. Now, the other good thing it sounds like is you've not gone and developed long COVID. And, of course, that's a concern we've had for anywhere from 20 to 30 percent of the people who get COVID. Then go on and have these long-term chronic symptoms, severe fatigue for day after day after day, mm-hmm. you know, brain fog, uh, in some cases, difficulty breathing. So, I mean, that's good news to hear that as many as although you've had two episodes, well, neither were serious, and you don't sound like you have any evidence at all of long COVID. I feel like I'm at the doctor's office right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, that's why we have you here, so you can help interpret all this so it makes sense, okay? <laughs> You're doing a great job. So what about XBB? I'm wondering, it's, you mentioned how it's more contagious and it avoids the vaccines. Is it likely to cause another surge in infections? Yeah, I don't think it's going to cause another surge in infections, and we have to really... I think put the message out there loud and clear right now that as this pandemic has evolved and as we've gone through different periods of different variants and who's at risk, for example, in the earliest days of the pandemic, the strains of the virus we saw very rarely caused serious illness in children. And in fact, often children didn't seem to get infected. Mm-hmm. Where when Omicron emerged a year ago right now, over 700 kids died in this country from Omicron-related covid And so that it can change over time how and what it does. What we're seeing right now is by far the vast majority of the serious illness, hospitalizations, and deaths are occurring among those who are 65 years of age or older, even in some cases taking it down as low as 50 years of age. And so one of the things that we have continued to emphasize, and I hope for your audience, they hear this loud and clear, this new booster vaccine is working and it's working well to reduce the likelihood of needing to be hospitalized, being seriously ill, or dying. So, and we still only have a minority of people uh, vaccinated in this country who are 65 years of age and older. In some cases, it's lower than 30%. Some fortunate areas, it's higher than as high as 50%. But it's a long ways from everybody. And we could really, really do a lot to reduce the number of deaths and serious illnesses if we could just get people to get this new booster. If, particularly if you're, again, if you're over age 50, for sure. Yet the number of uh, people who are of color who are African Americans seem to be getting still getting the uh, COVID uh, disease at a rate that's three times their white counterparts. Uh, they are, although you know, Freddie. One of the things that's also happened with the evolution of this uh, uh, virus over time is that you know the communities of color were hit really hard, very hard in the earliest days of the pandemic. Why? Because so many of them were essential workers who had to go to work every day. Mm-hmm. You know, places stayed open. We needed that. We needed to have those services. But there was, and there was no vaccine. In addition, we saw an increased number of individuals who lived in multi generational homes where, you know, you couldn't protect grandpa and grandma if, in fact, you know, you were coming, going to work because you had to go to work every day. That's beginning to change. And guess now what we're seeing 
is an increased number of cases uh, and deaths, actually, particularly in those who have been unvaccinated, who are in uh, what would be considered classic red counties, where, you know, they're basically just, I'm not going to get vaccinated. That's actually where we're seeing more of the deaths right now, Hmm. is in that population in those counties. So what would be your prescription for us today? How do we protect ourselves? I got a text right here that says, I've had four vaccines, Dr. Osterholm, Johnson Johnson 1 and 2, Booster 1, Booster 2. Do I have to get another stick to protect myself against XBB? What's your prescription for us today? Yeah, if you haven't gotten the new booster, I definitely get it. I got mine. I have five doses of vaccine on board. I've got mine. Um, and, you know, I think that this is one situation where, you know, we have to live our lives. We're going to continue to live our lives. Getting vaccinated uh, with that most recent booster is really very, very helpful. Number two is, you know, we have a kind of a, a policy at our home here because we we miss people. We want to be with people. So we have people come over. And here's what we do. You, can, you know, we can get together for an evening dinner, a, a wonderful time. If you've not been with somebody who's had COVID in the last three days. Number two is if you have any symptoms yourself, even sniffles, then you're you're out. You can't come. Or number three, we just test, you know, six to two hours or so before the event and with the home test. And if you're negative, and, you know, we've been seeing a fair number of people over recent months, and we're still negative. I think you can do things like that. If you are someone who is particularly at risk for serious illness, older, have underlying health conditions, uh, you know, wearing your N95 respirator, the tight face-fitting mask, you know, the not the loose one, uh, that can really provide a lot of protection there. So I think it's things like that where we're going to go to, we got to keep living our lives. What can we do to reduce the likelihood of having more severe illness? And if you just follow that, because of those steps right there, you can do a lot to reduce your risk. Should we go to the playoff games or the Super Bowl or just stay home and watch it on the new big screen? Well, first of all, you're asking me that today, not last week, okay? Because last week I said, hey, man, we're all going. (laughs) We're going to load up that jet and go, man. (laughs) And uh, unfortunately, uh, that's been a bad week for us here. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think, again, you can be in public spaces and crowds. I still continue to wear my N95 respirator. You know, I go to concerts, I I go to events like that, but I wear that, and, you know, I'm an old guy, you know, I'll I'll be 70 years old in a few days, and, uh, you know, in that regard, thank you, in that regard, I, uh, you know, I'm at risk for it, so I do that, take that extra step to protect myself. I'm not young like the two of you, you know, you guys have the benefits of youth, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And the doctor has jokes, too. Dr. Osterholm, Michael Osterholm, thanks so much for enlightening us. It's good to be with you guys. Thank you very much for what you do to get the information out. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thanks for keeping us safe. Hi, everybody. As we continue in our healthy segment on New Beginnings, we want to talk to you a little bit about your teeth. 90% of what people know about flossing, for example, is wrong. Brushing only reaches the exposed surface of a tooth. We all know this, but you can use tools to get at the hidden part of your teeth, like water flossing or an interdental brush. These are the small cylindrical brushes that you can push between your teeth. You've seen those. 90% of people floss the wrong way, that according to the dental experts. Swiping once between your teeth with a slippery floss doesn't do very much. You might get some food debris out, but bacteria and plaque really cling to your teeth below the gum line. So it takes maybe 5 to 10 up and down swipes 
below the gum line of each tooth to really dislodge it. The experts also say that the kind of floss you use is critical. I like the woven kind myself. It really seems to grab the plaque pretty well. The experts say that your toothbrush is probably too big, too hard, and too old. You need a small brush with extra small bristles. A small head is easier to maneuver in your mouth so you can reach all the tooth surfaces. A soft bristle won't harm your gum lines as much. It's recommended that you replace your toothbrush or the head of your electric toothbrush once a month. Now, when you buy your toothbrushes in bulk, the experts say they're much more cheaper than if you purchase a toothbrush one at a time. And what about the electric toothbrush? They say that it'll probably get your teeth cleaner. This is especially true for older folks whose plaque is stickier and more difficult to remove with the manual toothbrush because we produce less saliva. Now, this is really interesting. You don't need an annual dental x-ray. Most people don't need new x-rays any more frequently than every 18 to 36 months. Some dentists order them routinely every year, but it's a knee-jerk reaction and it's really not the standard of care. Ask your dentist about this. X-rays are expensive and expose you to radiation and that there are other ways to spot cavities. If your dentist orders them more often, be sure to ask them why. And another way to make sure that you're cutting down on the cost of your dental care and to make sure that you have healthy teeth is to snack smarter. It'll lower your odds for cavities. Crackers and pretzels made with white flour, sugary foods, and candy feed bacteria, which produce more acid in your mouth, nuts, Healthy meats and a cup of green tea are better choices. Just trying to give you some ideas on how to live a healthier life, and especially as we give you some tips today on how to take care of your teeth. Hi, everyone. I've made it really easy for you to keep up with us. All you have to do is go to FreddieBell.com. And you can see everything related to Freddie Bell and our connection with you. And it's National Disc Jockey Day. It recognizes DJs playing the music and spinning the records. If you didn't know, a disc jockey or DJ for short is a person who plays recorded music either on the radio or at a club or an event. The first disc jockey was an experiment on the airways. In 1909, 16-year-old Ray Newby was a student under the supervision of Charles Doc Harold at Harold College of Engineering and Wireless. He played the first records over the airwaves before the word disc jockey even existed. What started as an experiment from the Garden City Bank building, where the college was located in San Fernando, California, was soon being replicated by radio broadcasters across the country. Initially, Newby primarily broadcast his news, music, and entertainment live. It wasn't until 25 years later that radio commentator Walter Winchell coined the term disc jockey. Today, contemporary DJs play music from vinyl to digital. Regardless of the medium they use, the term disc jockey still applies. Hip-hop DJs became popular in the 70s and 80s using multiple turntables and using the turntables themselves as an instrument to alter the music. Mobile DJs often act as a master of ceremonies at events or parties directing the evening's activities. National Disc Jockey Day gives you an opportunity to celebrate our favorite DJs. Give them a shout out on social media on National Disc Jockey Day. We'll be right back.
This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Now let's turn our attention to your financial health in retirement. And with us is Libel Sternbach. He is an Amazon best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel, I'm so glad to be talking with you. You really set us up the last time we were together. And I'm wondering, uh, speaking of that, if you can give a real quick recap about the changes made by the Secure 2.0 Act. Yeah, so real brief, the Secure 2.0 Act does a few things. Number one is it increases the age at which we need to take those required minimum distributions. So um, people who would have to take it in 2023, they get an extra year. Um, so, so age 73 starting now and then age 75 starting in 10 years from now. Um, the penalty for not taking it has been halved. So that went from 50% of what you were supposed to take to 25%. Both of those things combined create a very interesting retirement planning, uh, change to retirement planning so that, you know, the calculus of when to retire, how much money to take, whether to delay social security, how long to delay social security, all of those things now change, including, um, you know, whether you should take, do Roth conversions or how much you should do Roth conversions. You have more time now to take advantage of those, you know, first years of retirement where you get to really control your income. So that is great. Uh, you also have contribution limits are being increased and there's an additional catch up contribution for retirement accounts for 401ks and whatnot. So that's, that's great because now you can save more money for retirement in a tax deferred way. Of course, you don't have as much time for it to grow, but um, it still is really great that that's happening and that it's indexed for inflation. There's a whole bunch of other changes. I mean, there's like 20 plus changes that came into the Secure 2.0 Act. So that, you know, all of them are really good stuff for retirement. Uh, but the key things is that change to the required minimum distributions and the decrease in penalties, because that is going to have the biggest impact on retirement planning and retirees. And I think it will help many retirees uh, have more money in retirement and help them not run out of money in retirement. Having more money in retirement, uh, libel, I would think would be a good thing, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, right. The, the thing that we want the most is to not run out of money in retirement. And the only way to really do that is to be good stewards of our money and make sure that we're doing everything possible to hold on to it for as long as possible. And that means, you know, not overpaying on taxes. That means, you know, making sure protecting it from market fluctuations and making sure that when we sell things to generate income, that we're selling it at the right time or we're selling it the right way and we're selling the right things uh, so that it, uh, it doesn't uh, upset us long-term financially. Right. And these are decisions that we don't really have to make in our working years. In our working years, the only thing we got to really decide is how much are we saving? We don't really have to decide what are we selling in order to fund our income. Right. We need money. We get a second job. We put in a few extra hours uh, at work. We don't have to think about, you know, well, am I selling this stock or that stock? Am I taking my RMDs this month or next month? Those are, you know, important questions that can really have an impact on our long-term financial stability. So let's do a little math problem right now. Tell me how the Secure 2.0 Act changes the math 
with those folks who have Roth conversions? The math of doing a Roth conversion, right? The, the way that has changed. Typically you would look at a Roth conversion and you'll say, well, okay, you know, this is what my required minimum distributions are going to be. This is what my tax rate is. I'm going to pay on taxes. And you look and you do some math and you say, well, am I going to save money on taxes by paying my taxes up front versus doing it later? Right. And when you had to take RMDs at age 70 and a half or age 72, um, you had a very short window from when you retired until you, until you had to start taking those RMDs where you could do this raw conversion and you could kind of control your income. Um, and so people, people would get very aggressive. You had, you know, three or four years, five years maybe, uh, being able to do these strategic Roth conversions. And so for many people, especially if you had more than, you know, a half a million or a million in your retirement accounts, you didn't have much choice in how much money you were taking out, right? It's, it's a very simple math game. Well, now that we have until age 75, we have this entire period from age 60, until age 75, so that's a full 15 years mm. where we can suddenly start doing these Roth conversions and we have the potential to control our income. And when we look at Social Security, which, you know, we can most people can start taking as early as age 62 and you look at your retirement accounts, you may find that you can retire earlier spend down your retirement accounts um, and either take Social Security earlier or use it to defer Social Security so you have a bigger Social Security check, and that calculus all of a sudden changes, whereas before you didn't have such so many choices. Um, so those extra few years of going from 70 and a half to 75 is huge. The changing of the tax penalty from 50 to 25, it opens up a world of possibility. We're talking with Libel Sternbach. So can you also, can you further outline, I'd like to keep this discussion going, can you further outline some of the tax planning implications of these changes you just talked about? Yeah, so the tax planning implications, right, is uh, what you have is, First, Social Security, right? So Social Security can be taxed. Um, it can be taxed zero up to 85%. And it's based on how much you earn. So, and your, the, when you take money out of your retirement accounts, that get, that's get, that gets taxed as taxable income and that affects your social security, right? So we have this window of opportunity from when you quit your job until age 73 or 75, when you have to start taking required minimum distributions, where you get to control your income, right? And then the question is, is, okay, where are you getting your money from? What what accounts are you pulling it out of? Is it one where you pay taxes on it now, or is it where you pay taxes on it later? Is it you know um, is do you have do you have tax losses that you can use to offset though that tax income? And what can you do in terms of exclusions and deductions to maximize those so that you defer or eliminate some of your tax liability? And these are really questions that you got to answer. And 
there the the math really changes based on your age and based on your health and based on uh you know how much money you would get from social security where you have your assets you want to start thinking about diversifying you know so let's say you you're not going to retire until age you know 67 when you can take your know, social security at your um full retirement age for social security well you may have from age 60 to age 67 right where if your plan allows it, you can, you know, put money into your 401k and then roll it over into a Roth and pay taxes in those years or manage the investments yourself and do things that can uh, that can generate tax free income in retirement. So there's lots of options, but you really got to look at it from the context of, you know, what is my tax income in my tax liability in retirement? Not all income is created equally. And you want to kind of diversify your income sources from a tax standpoint so that you can minimize and you can play the tax game. And taxes really is a game in terms of, you know, trying to get the most value Hmm. for the least cost. Do your reports outline these options, Libel? A hundred percent. On my website, we've got reports, we've got guides, we've got classes, we've got articles, we've got all the resources that you need in order to really build for yourself a tax-free, um, you know, retirement so that you can make the most of your social security, so you can make the most of your investments, so that you can just go about living your life without worrying about all of these million moving pieces mm. that is retirement. Are there other areas of retirement planning that this act has impacted either negatively or positively? So there are some other uh, places where it has impacted uh, things like, you know, um, ca- uh, catch up contributions to how much you can retire, uh, contribute to your retirement savings, which we talked about, you know, taxes. Well, in your working years, and let's face it, most people towards the end of their career before they retire are going to be earning the most. Those catch up contributions, right, allow you to take that money off of the top so that your taxable income it decreases your taxable income in those years. Which, right, if you're doing, if you're able to contribute more of it and decrease your taxable income, you may be able to save even more, right? So that can accelerate it. Uh, there's some other, uh, um, there are some other changes that will make retirement easier, such as like the fact that you don't need to take RMDs from Roth accounts, you know, 401k Roth accounts, uh, things like adding an emergency savings account in your Roth account wow. uh, for defined contribution plans. So there's all kinds of like little things that are built into it. Um, but the biggest ones are the, what we talked about, the RMDs and the change in terms of, in the change in terms of, uh, penalty. One other thing that is really cool is the 529 plan. Ooh. Um, so the 529 plan is for saving for college, right? So it can be used for uh, actually a large number of education purposes. But it used to be that if you didn't use those funds, if you didn't use those funds in, uh, for education, that you then had to take them out. And you would get hit with a penalty or whatever, or you could roll it over to another beneficiary. Well, the Secure 2.0 Act, one of the things that it does is it allows you to roll it over into a Roth IRA, which is really cool. There are limits to how you can do it, how much you can do it. Um, but that allows you to, it gives you more peace of mind if you're thinking uh, long term, right? And you're like, okay, well, I want to save for my kids, uh, you know, college. 
but they may not go to, uh, you know, a private school that needs money or they may not need this money for college. Hopefully they'll get, you know, a scholarship or something. Uh, well, it allows them if they want to, to roll that over into a Roth IRA, which, you know, then gives them a leg up in terms of retirement savings or just the ability to weather life's uncertainties. That's exciting news. And uh, our last question for today, can you explain what retirees can do to make sure that their retirement plan is up to date in light of the new law? So what you want to do, you want to go over your plan and you, if you were using an online tool um, or your advisor was spinning out a plan from an online tool, uh, you're, you probably don't want to use those tools because it's going to be a while before those tools are updated. Uh, we're in the process of rolling out a new tool that is specifically designed for this. But in the meantime, what you want to do is look at your plan and, and ask yourself the question, okay, when is it saying that I need to take RMDs? When is it saying that I should be doing these Roth conversions, right? Is the assumptions about the amounts I'm contributing or that I'm converting, do they still make sense based on this context? Do does when I'm taking Social Security, does it still make sense based on the context of that I have this more time where I have control over my income in retirement? Those are all really important questions you got to ask yourself, and they really change the calculus of when you can retire and you know when you should take your Social Security. He's Libel Sternbach. If you'd like more information, you can go to yields4u.com. That's yields, the number four, the letter u.com. And also, we invite you to tune in next week as we talk about not one, not two, but five ways that you can save money on your taxes in retirement. Libel's website is yields for you. That's yields for you.com. Yields, the number four, the letter u.com. I'm Freddie Bell, and more new beginnings is straight ahead. It's time for some information on the lighter side this weekend. A study found that nearly 30% of resident doctors experience clinical depression from their residency. It usually hits the day they discover exactly what's involved in being a proctologist. I don't write this stuff. Ah, in Poland, a woman called 911 at around 3 o'clock in the morning. She told the dispatcher she was drunk and stuck in the cat door flap. She was trying to get into her parents' home where she lives, but forgot her keys and didn't want to wake her parents. And here are some unwritten rules that everyone should know. If you have enough money to eat out, you have enough money to tip. If someone tells you some news they were pleased about... Act as excited as they are, even if you're jealous or annoyed. You can be petty in your own time. And when someone shows you a photo on their phone, don't swipe left or right. You never know what's next. And if someone has headphones on, leave them alone. Just for fun this week on New Beginnings. Breakthrough. Knowing that you can accomplish great things. That's our point of focus. I have a great time with my life, and I want to share it. Nowadays, a lot of people think of positivity and optimism as something unrealistic, something almost delusional. It teaches the cultivation of peace of mind as a power center out of which comes driving energy. This is life and enterprise management. I love living. I think that's infectious. It's something that you can't fake. 
What's the secret to any achievement? Is it wanting something enough or deserving something more than another person? It's neither one of those. You experience a true breakthrough to achievement when you're able to move past simple wanting and striving to a powerful belief that you can reach your goals. You break through the barriers of negative thinking, thinking that you can't do something or don't deserve something. You can accomplish great things. Do you want to end some negative habit or begin a positive one? Then you can. You can because you believe that you've got the power to move forward to break through to great achievement. It's this belief that empowers you to do great things. If you'd like to learn more, www.freddybell.com or 888-639-9738. Or you can reach me by email. It's freddy at freddybell.com. freddy at freddybell.com. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. Yes, indeed, you're listening to New Beginnings. And right now, joining us is our career expert, Mr. Joe McKenzie. He is the founder, the heart and soul of Ripple Connects. He has the knack of turning candidates into contenders. You can reach him by telephone at 763-438-1621 or rippleconnects.com. Hello, Joe, and welcome back. Good morning, Freddie Bell. How are you? Unbelievable, and I'm um, looking forward to talking to you about uh, whatever's on your mind. Well, what's on my mind is as I continue to read through your book, Words to the Wise, there's a page that jumps out at me, and it's, it's titled Integrity. But your words to the wise are, your character is your destiny. Mm-hmm. Your character is your destiny. Freddie Bell, <laughs> what do you mean by that statement? Well, I can break it down by saying who you are is who you are. So your character is who you are. It's that that mental part of who makes up Joe McKenzie, who makes up Freddie Bell and those listening this morning. It's distinctive only to you. Nobody else can be who you are. That's your character. It's the way that you think. It's the way that you, you feel. It's the way that you perform or act. It's especially how reliable and honest you are. It's so that is your character. And so I, I just mentioned you are who you are. Your character is your destiny because who you represent, who you are, shows up in your life as your integrity. Integrity is that quality, I believe, Joe McKenzie, of just being an honest individual, of having strong moral principles, just being I come from a Baptist church being upright and doing things in the right way. You know, and I've heard over the years that that individual is is just known to be a person of integrity. Well, what they're saying is that that person is an honest individual. That person has strong moral principles. They have a guidance that comes maybe from their family. It's hard to determine where it comes from, but I think it's an innate faculty that we are all are imbued with. You can learn to be more in, integrous. But I believe that's what we come to this earth with. And it's really uncompromising. It's a strong moral and ethical principle and values that we live with. So that's a, that's an idea of what character is as it relates to integrity. But the second part of that that that, that statement is, is your destiny. Mm-hmm. Describe for us with your character. Your character is where you're going, where you have already been, uh, what you're going to achieve. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, you know, if you think about it just uh, at a high level, maybe it could mean your destination. But uh, okay. but it also means that uh, the events that will necessarily happen in your life to a particular person, we are in control of our destiny just by how we live. It's the future, which can't be determined by decisions that we make because destiny is just what it is. But okay. when we mix in who we are to that, we can turn the tables. We can really cause different things to happen in our lives when we mix who we are with the way that our life is already going to unfold anyway. There's a difference between the destiny and then what our fate is. So if we believe that we can control how we act from day to day, that really uh, is a mark on how we are going to show up in life over time. I think a good definition of what destiny might be a suggest a future that includes something great or important, like Joe McKenzie is going to be a great leader whose destiny was to make people the best they can when they're in interviewing opportunities, who leverages their bench of advocates. That's a person of destiny. But I, I believe okay. that what comes with that, you have to mix in who you are, your character, that person who is integrous, who has a, a high moral standard, you put those together, and that determines how you show up in life. It determines, it outlines your destiny. I completely get that. But you also mentioned because you are going to follow through with those traits of integrity and honesty, that also changes some of the outcomes or situations. Because you took it that way, then there's there's a very real chance that there's going to be positive outcomes because of the way you handled yourself is what I hear you saying, correct? Exactly, because everybody has a power to change their own destiny by making different decisions, making, if you will, better decisions, deciding okay. to live a life of integrity than something that is completely different than that. You know, for example, I mean, it's just as simple things like treating others as yourself, showing up and just being a, an upright person who does things in the right way it can really change the coda of your entire life. You become who you think about all day long. Uh, I remember I was in a conference not long ago, and uh, the speaker says, you become who you think about all day long. And the guy uh, turned to his friend and says, you know what? I think I'm going to become a piece of chicken. I don't think that's what he meant. <laughs> but, yeah. but if you're thinking about, uh, if you're thinking about doing things in the right way, being successful in your life, being the best employee that you can be, being the best husband or wife that you can be, being the best partner that you can possibly be, that colors your destiny. Okay. That really fuels your integrity because you're really being intentional about how you want to show up for yourself, first of all, but also showing up in the lives of others. That's right. That is a very positive thing for people that they're going to react to you, but they're also going to see that in action. And that may reinforce with them that this is the right way to do this or handle this or react to that. And so what we as an individual can do that we have control over that, our own destiny can also impact greatly the people around us. If it's family or our coworkers or our community, there's so many positive things that could come out of that just because we are in control of our own destiny. We're in control of how we think, perform, feel, 
and our honesty and reliability. Positive things come from that. They do. And uh, to sum this up, if you if you decide today that you're going to take positive steps day by day, maybe even hour by hour, because it's difficult for people to make resolutions because it seems so large. But if you can make that daily commitment to making an improvement in yourself in some small way, over time, things start to change in your life. You start to show up differently. Your character starts to expand. Your character starts to change. And all of a sudden, you find yourself acting uh, as a person with high, a high moral standard, a person with a lot of integrity. And your destiny starts to change as a result. So your character does impact greatly your destiny. <laughs> Joe, unfortunately, we got to leave it right there. Do you have a final thought or a question before we have to say goodbye? No, I just, I, Freddie Bell, I want to thank you for the words to the wise because every one of those pages gets me to think and, and how do I apply it to my own life? And, and that's what you helped me with today. All right. That's Joe McKenzie. He's the founder of Ripple Connects. He turns candidates into contenders. And he's one person that I know who reads the book Words of the Wise. We'll be right back. It happened this week in 1863, 25 days after President Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, the U.S. War Department authorized the enlistment of black troops. The authorization gave rise to the 54th Regiment of Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry, which became the first all-black Union regiment raised in the North. In 1875, the electric dental drill was patented by George Green of Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1932, businessman William Wrigley Jr. died at the age of 70. Yes, that at Wrigley. He founded the Wrigley Chewing Gum Empire and also baseball Chicago Cubs. In 1934, New York's Apollo Theater opened. In 65, the military ousted the government and seized power in South Vietnam. In 1983, legendary University of Alabama football coach Paul Bear Bryant died at the age of 69. He won six national championships while coaching the Crimson Tide. In 1998, President Clinton denied having an affair with the White House intern Monica Lewinsky, telling reporters, quote, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. In 2005, the Senate confirmed Condoleezza Rice as Secretary of State by an 85 to 13 vote. Rice's confirmation followed contentious debate by some Democrats in the Senate who argued Rice should be held accountable for her role in the Bush administration's decision to go to war in Iraq. Rice replied outgoing Secretary of State Colin Powell. And in 2006 on her talk show, Oprah Winfrey confronted James Fry, a man she says duped her. Fry confessed to Oprah that his best-selling memoir, A Million Little Pieces, was filled with several inaccuracies. Fry's book was the number two bestseller in 2005, due in large part to the publicity brought on by Oprah's book club. And in 2020, basketball player Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others died in a helicopter crash in Calabasas, California. It happened this week, and I'm Freddie Bell. As New Beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program, where we introduce the Senior Minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress. Now we turn to our other window, 
life. We more commonly speak of that as affirming, making affirmations. That is, seeing what in our life we wish to build up. We wish to give our attention. We understand that God provides divine substance or essence to build these new opportunities into actual manifest or expressed realities in our life and our world. So that cutting-edge thinking that Reverend Groverland shared with us, I think has to do with our always being willing to let go and release and take up the new. That's cutting-edge, vital, creative thinking because we're willing to let go of what we may have known before and take up the new. Rudolf Steiner had a wonderful statement to students of his, applies to students of unity, and he said, a real truth student that wishes to courageously move forward in life must stop ever saying this. Carlotta, I've never heard that before. I don't believe it. Tyler, I've never heard that before. I don't believe it. A willingness to say to life, I've never heard that before. Tell me more. Let me build an understanding. Rather than instantly shutting down because of our habitual thought, just because you've never heard it before doesn't mean that there's not a new understanding waiting for you to create. Today, as we celebrate our burning bowl ceremony. It is a ceremony that's probably the newest tradition in our unity churches worldwide. It is thought that it was developed most likely by Reverend Sue Seeking in California in the 1960s. A new way to help people visualize or experience the process of letting go to be prepared to receive the new. Now, Charles Fillmore did speak of that. He spoke of the transforming power of divine life. Something I learned in my years of doing this service in unity settings was the fact that some that were from a traditional background like I was, we had heard an awful lot about hellfire, the fires of hell that destroy. And I started noticing people were coming forward to this ceremony, this image of transforming fire, and they were approaching it like the fires of hell, that they were throwing some thought, some emotion, some experience of their life into the fire to be destroyed. And I begin to think it's very important how we approach this image. Charles Fillmore called it the holy fire that consumes, releases all that is not true about you and your experience and your world. Denial, letting go of what is not true. And then you realize the fire is welling up within you as eternal life. So Charles was taking an image and trying to portray the transforming fire in a very positive way. That it is the truth 
within you, the Christ within you, the divine spark within you, that we outpicture here in the burning bowl as a fire. It helps you to release what is not true, what is over. And then it is the power, the heat, the life that wells up in you as the new, the new vision, the new hope, the new possibility. So the image of the fire is not to be approached as a destroying element. It is the power within you, the divine within you, that transforms the old, what it is time to let go, to release, to forgive, and transforms that energy. Many times over my years with you, I have mentioned the author and clinical psychologist, Dr. Maria Nima. And she really likes to work with whatever we are willing to forgive or let go in our life, releases its energy for new possibilities. She speaks in her book, we've taught it here several times, Mastering Life's Energy. She said if you clear up some old business in your life, you set that energy free to do new work for you. So today, as we approach a time to reflect, to fill out our papers that we're going to cast into the bowl of fire, I invite you to consider what emotion or thought or habit in your life is preventing you from entering this new year free excited, filled with energy and hope. Is there something holding you back? You have the opportunity through the spiritual practice of denial and release, through this outer ceremony that we create with a bowl of fire, but it is you, your spirit, doing the work that says, I'm willing to let go and take up the new. So I'm going to ask the ushers, or usherette, Lindy, to pass out these trays. You'll find a pencil in it and a piece of paper. Take one, and as those are going around, we're going to take some time for reflection. And sometimes we can get, I've done this, we can get up tight. I don't know what I need to let go. I don't know what my block is. That's the time to remember the guiding spirit within you will always reveal what is holding you back, what is clouding your thought or making your feeling life harsh. You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacy, the senior minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at unitysouth.org. And here are today's words to the wise. Challenge yourself. Today's words to the wise from page 42 of my book. It says, challenge yourself. To learn more, visit freddybell.com. 
That's our show, and thanks to our special guests for stopping by and sharing information that we hope can change lives. If you missed any of today's show, you can subscribe to our podcast or just Google Freddie Bell or stop by my website of the same name. Thanks for listening, and remember that each day is a chance for a new beginning. See you next week. 